Hello, everyone, and welcome to episode four of Weighing In. We have an extraordinarily spicy episode for you this week. But I'm Josh, and I'm joined by my constant co-host, Ollie. How are you doing today, Ollie? I'm very good, thank you. Josh, how are you? Excellent, thank you. Very excited to talk about this week's games because we've had so many matches to talk about with both uh, LCS and LEC in their playoffs. We're having best of five games, pumping out so many matches and the LCK finishing this week. We have so much to talk about. This is going to be a jam-packed episode. Yeah, and it's going to be an exciting one as well. There's been some upsets this week, some favoured teams went in, but some really exciting games so there's there's been a little bit of everything this week there really has Mm. and so without further ado to stop this episode from being incredibly long we are going to simply talk about the news that came out this week um which we alluded to on last week's episode but it has been confirmed um that lilia will be on the new will be enabled for worlds as it has been enabled in other regions but uh, the other new champion that came out Yone who argue people more more excited for will not be at Worlds this year yeah and I think this is probably a good choice I'm not 100% sure on it because I, mean, I know lots of people have been playing it a lot in solo queue I know Nemesis from Fnatic has been playing it a lot and so has Faker Faker's been pretty much spamming it in solo queue on his streams so it's it's interesting to see whether he'll actually even be playing for T1 if they make it to Worlds here. It definitely will be, and we're going to have a deep dive into T1 later because their storylines were phenomenally interesting this week. Yes, indeed. But first, to talk about arguably uh, the one of the most interesting leagues that's going on at the moment is the LCS. They are in their second week of playoffs. This week we saw both up, upper bracket semi-finals take place and directly following those, the losers round two games, which are elimination matches, take place with the losing teams from those semi-finals dropping down into them. And we have some really, really interesting games to talk about. Yeah. And the first, so, the first game this week for the playoffs was FlyQuest vs Cloud9. Now, what are your thoughts on this best of five, Josh? So, so coming into this, I really didn't know how to feel because Cloud9, up to the second half of the summer split, have been by far the best team in North America. No one's come close. And I don't know what's happened to this team. It just seems like things aren't clicking. And when you compare that to FlyQuest trajectory, constantly getting better, even benching Wild Turtle during the split, he's come back looking so good. This team just seems to be getting better and better. And so it was a tale of two storylines. We wanted to see, with Cloud9 having a week off, FlyQuest having to play against EG last week, we wanted to see if Cloud9 could come back and actually perform at the level that we've seen from them this year. And I have to say, it was another really disappointing game from Cloud9. And and FlyQuest came away with a win here, 3-1 to against Cloud9. And it just felt... So disappointing, not to detract from FlyQuest, of course, because they looked incredible, but I don't know what's happened to Cloudbound. I really don't. Yeah, and like you said, Wild Turtle coming back and playing really well in the playoffs. You have to give credit to Wild Turtle here, but you have to also look at Sven and, and wonder, is he 
a top three ADC in the LCS anymore. I mean, I heard a, a quick interview with Doublelift after the TSM games today saying that he's he was more worried about FBI than he was of Sven in their, in their upcoming yeah. best of five. And, and to be honest, I have to give it to him. Yeah, 100%. And it felt very weird. And I wanted your opinion on that because we look at Sven, we look at his performance coming up before this best of five, and he was one of the strong points for this Cloud9 lineup. And I don't know if Cloud9 had the wrong read on the meta or if Sven is really struggling that much, but they picked Ezreal Yumi in the yeah. first round of picks every time, regardless of the side they were on, giving away both Ash and Senna. Yeah. And for me, I think I think this this really is something that's quite disappointing to see them going with the Yumi. I think Yumi in the current state is just not a good pick for support, especially. I mean, we've seen it work with Ezreal before, but I think Yumi right now is just not as strong as she was, and people know how to deal with her better. And if if that if your ADC is not playing as well as he possibly can, then Yumi cannot perform to her best, and that's why I think here we saw Zven not performing to his best and Vulcan as a result of that not being able to perform to his best yeah definitely it looked it, it was very strange and I don't understand why there was so much priority on the Ezreal Yumi combo because I would have happily seen Zven or something a little bit more lane dominant to really push the advantage which we know he can have and it just the fact that you're constantly picking that defensive bot lane hmm. makes me question as to Sven's confidence in himself which is really worrying because a team that's been so dominant all year if you're losing confidence at this point this close to qualifying for world that doesn't fill me with any sort of hope for this team yeah neither neither for me I think I think they they have to kind of look at their, themselves and, and see. Sven, we know he's a great AD carry. Get him on those carry champions who can dominate the lane. Uh, like, anyone pretty much, apart from the, apart from a Yumi support, can can dominate the lane. If he was to pick up something like the Caitlyn, I know Caitlyn was banned in pretty much all the games here, but any any other AD carry like Ash, Ash is a really lane dominant champion, especially mm. against the picks that Wild Turtle likes to go for, like these centers. And yeah. seeing him on any of those champs with something like a Nautilus support, Nautilus is a really strong, safe pick rather than the Yumi. Um, and we've seen how good Vulcan can be on the engaged support, such as Nautilus. Exactly. And even even a, maybe a stronger support, like if you're going for a really aggressive bot lane, something like the Blitzcrank or the Fresh, we we know he can hit those hooks, and it's just disappointing to see that they they stuck with that defensive bot lane, not not trying to like push their push their lead, etc. Yeah, and it's and it's it it, it wasn't like Cloudmine got necessarily didn't get the picks that they wanted every time. Like Cloudmine were able to get drafts that I think that they were pretty happy with every game. In the first yep. game, had. You know, yeah, the TF Furniski, his signature pick. Um, and you had Licorice on his comfort pick of uh, Vlad, like pocket comfort pick of Vladimir to help out in those side lanes with the TF, you know. And that was the, and you think those are kind of signature Cloud9 champions, but that was the fastest win out of all of them for FlyQuest. And then, you know, you switch over, you give Blabber 
lease in twice and he just doesn't look great on it no. he was better in the one win that they had in game two but even still it just it seems like this team doesn't know what works for them anymore yeah and i agree with with blabber not performing in the series super disappointing on his lease in but you have to give it to santor in here with the mvp in this series looking incredible in the jungle 100 yeah. percent, and it definitely felt like um uh, Santorin had prepared the Lilia yeah, and right they just and then Cloud9 just didn't know what to do against it because I think they banned it every game after the first one. Yeah, which had such an incredible performance. And Santorin says, Yeah, you know what? I'll just go and then I'll play my volley bear twice and I'll play um this the graves which you've seen him be absolutely monstrous on. Exactly. This guy this guy literally can play any of the meta junglers from any of the meta styles he just seems so 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 strong and like i think he's a lot of um fly quests objective control at the moment which has been so good it allows them to get the early control on drinks and just keep snowballing the game yeah and i think one thing that makes santor an amazing jungler especially I'd say definitely top three in the LCS at the moment, looking super strong. One thing that I think makes him really good is he's really hard to ban out. Like you said, he's got uh, he picked Lilia, Volibear, and Graves in the series. Three completely different style of junglers. You've got Lilia who just wants to full clear until level six and is really good at that. You want Graves who is going to be looking for those early ganks, and Volibear as well who's always looking for a level three gank. Yeah, and it was and it is so telling when you just think about how the series went in all three games that FlyQuest won they secured Dragon Soul in every single one and they had a Elder Dragon in the last one in the third and fourth games Cloudland didn't get a single dragon yeah and that, that... that's so so telling to the disparity that you never would have expected yeah exactly and and you just have to you have to look at blabber and, and think why i mean you can't put it solely on him for not getting those drakes especially in early games it's hard to it's hard to secure drake if your bot lane doesn't have prio so you have to kind of think about that especially and it, again it falls back to the question of why did they pick yumi ezreal in every game yeah i mean and, and you know it just feels like maybe the the mismatch in priority wasn't there but like the, the the bands seem a little bit strange, you know. It's 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 Cloud Nine on blue side banning Caitlyn. Yeah, and that that, that to me was AD carry at the moment, and that that's what really like is really worrying because when you're using two of your bands on Centaurin, like uh, let's say the last game, yeah, they mm. use two bands on Centaurin, which they're always banning Lilia against him after the first game. Yeah. They banned the Graves because he was so monstrous in the third game. And then they're banning Caitlyn on blue side. It just feels like you've given up your first three bands and gained absolutely nothing from them. Yeah, and you've you've tried to ban out Santorin, but you know he has other pocket picks, which is yeah. just super super weird choice. And the banning of Caitlyn, they could have got that first pick and like you said, the probably the strongest ADC at the moment, uh, the highest yeah. win rate. It's just super weird stuff, and you have to look at their decision making here and, and wonder why why they're doing it. 
you know, just... some kind of miscommunication or something because I feel like it, nine times out of ten, you're not banning, you're waiting for Fly to see if they ban that Caitlyn, otherwise you're just first picking it every single time. Yeah, and, and, and it's so strong at the moment. I don't understand why you're not willing to first pick it. And I think that brings us back around to the point where we say, how confident is Ven at the moment? Can he can he play the Caitlyn at all? Yeah, I, I mean, it's an interesting question. But then again, I, I mean, we've seen him play carry-oriented champs before. And Caitlyn, um, to be frank, is not a hard champion to play and to carry with. Especially if you're mechanically gifted, like Zven is, I would say. I mean, and Caitlyn is not a hard champ to be able to pick up. And it's just really worrying, like you said, to see him not even be confident in himself to pick up something like the Caitlyn. Yeah. And, and obviously, we have to preface this. We don't know who's making these these pick band decisions. Mm, we don't know we don't if it's Reaford and the other coaching staff telling Zven, this is what you must play every game. Obviously, but... It, regardless of who's making that decision, I think the team has to look at it and kind of question the validity of their decision. And I have to think it was just a misread on the meta or something going wrong within the team because we'll come on to talk about the, cloud, the second Cloud9 series in a minute, but we saw a very different Cloud9 yeah. in the lower bracket. Yeah, we did. And like just to... Just to touch up on this this game i think yeah like we said zven not having the confidence is is really really worrying like you said whoever's making the decisions that, that it needs to, it needs to be looked at here because it, it team like flyquest cloud nine on paper should have been able to win this like 3-1 or 3-0 easily yeah 100% and and the last point that i want to bring up before we move on to another series we talked a lot about santorin and how incredible he is but Man, I want your opinion on is Solo, the top mm. laner for FlyQuest. I think is a shoe in for one of the best remaining top laners at the moment because Damon is not flashy. He's not playing carry picks, but especially in this series, Cloud9 just let him have Shen all four games. Yeah. And the fact that and... he said he's not playing carry picks, I would argue that Shen is an extreme carry pick. Well, I mean, what what he was able to do in the lane, especially against Licorice, on Licorice's signature um, pick of the gangplank, he just looks so, so, so dominant, in the uh, even in the early laning phases, as a Shen, and he just had great ultimate timings. It, it, he looks great, and he had this positive scoreline every single game. Yeah, and he... Allowing him to pick up the Shen is super weird. And again, you have to look at Cloud9's decision-making here. Why are they not banning that away? Why are they focusing so hard on panic-banning the Lilia after Game 1? Why are they panic-banning that Graves? It's super weird stuff. Again, panic-banning the Caitlyn. I think all, all of these bans were super odd and pretty much yeah. just panic bans. And, you know, I'm, I would have much rather seen... Uh, a ban towards something like a Shen because you don't want Licorice to play the Shen. You really don't. No. You want Licorice to be on a Vladimir, on a Gangplank, but if he can't play his picks into the Shen, I think you need to ban it at some point. Yeah, if you ban away that Shen, allow Licorice to play the 
play the Vlads like you said and allow him to carry. Like a Vladimir late game, no matter how what state of the game in, is in, if his team's working well around him, he can carry that game. But when you have something like a Shen on the other team, it's super hard for him to get an advantage in lane and in late game as well. Yeah, definitely. Any other points on FlyQuest? Because uh, that's the only series they played this week, and FlyQuest qualified for Worlds. Yeah, off the back of that game, and I, I, I've got, I, I've got to say, FlyQuest for me, uh, I'm kind of rooting for them here. I'm not gonna lie, yeah, they look like a, a, a really, really good team, and they might be the strongest team in North America at the moment. And I think their winners' final match, which we'll come to touch on in a minute. It's going to be so interesting. It, it will be a great game, and I'm I'm really looking forward to it. But I'm definitely rooting for FlyQuest there. Yeah, and they, you know, it's a lovable team to see them turn around. Um, not only the players and their placement, but also the branding side of it. Yeah. TreeQuest and SeaQuest—they're just doing so many things which make you buy into this team so much so i can't help but root for them a lot of the time me too and i'm i'm not gonna lie the other night i was looking on their shop and very much considering buying one of their new jerseys because they look so nice so nice actually (laughs) the the the, the sequest jersey is is really really nice absolutely awesome and they're doing they are doing a great job so you know kudos to not only the players and the coaching staff for securing a place at Worlds for the first time for this organization and guaranteeing themselves top three in North America, um, if not being a shoe-in for first or second place. But kudos for building a brand Mm. that is really strong uh, and a lot stronger than some of the endemic organizations that we've had in the LCS for quite a long time. This is an organization who I only see going up from here. Me too, and I know I know lots of the players were super happy. I saw, I think Santorin did a a Q and A on his YouTube channel. Was someone from the team, and he looked, he was over the moon about this about this win. So you you have to yeah. you have to you can't not be happy for this team, and you can't not like them. Hundred mm-hmm. percent. It is it's great. It is great to see. It really really is. So so kudos to FlyQuest, and we can't wait to see them in the winner's final on the 30th in six days' time now. Indeed. Um, the other upper bracket semi-final that we're going to talk about is the Team Liquid Golden Guardians game. And spoiler, this was very <laughs> one-sided. This is might be the most one-sided um, game we've seen in the LCS playoffs so far. And that feels really bad for Golden Guardians. But Team Liquid was simply the stronger team this whole game. I mean, you have a little bit of a disagreement, actually, as to what caused Team Liquid to be so dominant, because I attribute it to a lot a lot to Broxer, actually. I thought that he looked really good on the lease in, finally looking to start to be part of this team rather than just being on the edge. He looks like he's integrated better into the team now, at least from my perspective. But I know you would disagree with me yeah i mean i've always held brox up to a, a high standard ever since he was playing for fanatic uh, earlier uh, in the season and i think he he is a good jungler but there's just some very basic things that he he's lacking and this is this is no this is no like shade towards Broxer because I think he's a, a he's an amazing player but there was just certain things where I was I was kind of 
just looking at my screen and thinking, okay, why has he done that? What's his decision making here? There were lots of times where he would either go for a gank mid lane and miss miss his cue on Lee Sin. Like he played Lee Sin, uh, I think he played it for all three games. All three games. Um, and yeah, he looked a lot more aggressive. But there were there were times when he would go for the gank and then walk to bot side a uh, bot side river and just sort of strafe back and forward for like thirty seconds and just pretty much just waste time. And to me, it was like, okay, you can you can, you can be getting a lot done. Like topside scuttles up in that time, you could have rotated, blah blah blah. But I think, in, especially in the late game, Broxer played really really well on this Lee Sin. But for, mm. for early game, I think there there was a lot more impact he could he could have had. But it, but that's that's no in no means to take away from the impact that he had in the series at all. Yeah, I think I. I agree maybe he could have done better in the early game, but if you compare the current Broxer we're seeing to, you know, a few weeks ago where Broxer was on Graves and they finished the game with a win and he and he was like 0-0-0 at 20 minutes or something. Like, yeah. at least he's having some impact now. He's definitely improving. And I'm not saying he's suddenly this monster who is, you know, carrying the team in the early game, but he is at least working with his solo laners at the moment to have some sort of impact in the early game. Yeah. And if he can keep that trajectory, I think he might fare better against uh, Santorin, who will be playing in a winner's bracket final. Yeah, and I can imagine this series especially has given Broxer himself a lot of confidence because I know mm. from watching a lot of the uh, old fanatic um, vlogs around their time of the, the playoffs, etc., Broxer looked like someone who was a very nervous player, especially on stage. Uh, but being being in the comfort of being around his teammates with no crowd, I can imagine he's he's got a lot more confidence. And uh, this series especially is probably going to give him a lot of confidence. So super yeah. su- super super positive stuff from him. Um, like you said, doing a lot better than earlier in this season. And I guess now he's 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 finally finding his place within the team, which yeah, which is definitely. which is super which is super. Super good. Yeah, and hopefully we see him get better and better because he's going to have a very, very tough time playing against Centaurian Definitely. Um, in their next best of five because uh, although he still struggles to affect the early game, we know that Centaurian doesn't have any of those issues at yeah. all. Yeah. Um, another standout player on the side of Team Liquid was Jensen again. Simple champions for simple carry games is the only thing I'll say for him. Yeah, he looks just the, like the consistent carry player for this team, and I think that's really, really benefiting them at the moment. Yeah, and his Azir getting that twice is is super good. And again, you have to question why they didn't ban it. But but yeah. although Azir is is Azir is a bit of a odd champion to ban, I think because there's so many so many mid laners. I think. Mid lane especially is the role which is hardest to ban for, um, especially in the current meta because there's so many mages, there's so many AD mid laners that can be picked up. Um, and yeah, his Azir looked really aggressive, really powerful, and those big ults from him were especially, especially, um, what's the word? I don't, I don't know the word. Um, especially impactful. Yeah, impactful. They're, they're really, was, he's really able to control team fights really well, which is something that we want out of the mid laner from a slightly slower team like Team Liquid. Yeah, exactly. And yeah, especially impactful. Um, able to get those picks, etc. in the late game to mm. 
pretty much make an extremely dominant series for Liquid. Yeah. And, you know, even when after two games of Jensen on the Azir, uh, you know, Golden Guardians finally think enough is enough. We'll ban it. We'll take away both the Akali and the Azir. Jensen just plays LeBlanc and looks amazing on it, has a Majahis and is absolutely stacking that through the room. Yeah, exactly. And... and it's just another dominant game. It doesn't look like at the moment that you can ban this guy out and kind of put him off his current pace. Yeah, and I love the aggressive style that he played on LeBlanc, uh, which is extremely different to lots of LeBlancs we see in the LCS. The only other person I'd say who plays super aggressive on the LeBlanc is Bjergsen and it looked very Bjergsen-esque in this game I must say um, going for that aggressive getting the Magi's early being able to stack that I'm pretty sure he had 25 to end the game um, yeah and yeah looking extremely strong on that LeBlanc and again another pocket pick for him so it, it's it's super super good to see and we I wonder if he'll pick that up more it'll be exciting to I see if he does I only have to imagine so yeah definitely now, heading to the lower bracket matches, we had Golden Guardians and Cloud9 falling down in the first one of these matches. After 48 hours off, Cloud9 returned to play Evil Geniuses. And this wasn't a convincing 3-0, but it definitely was a 3-0 for Cloud9 over EG. So they kept their dreams of going to Worlds alive. Yeah. Uh, and... Sven looks better in this series, I thought. Um, so much better. Seeing him not on the Ezreal really, really made me smile. When he when he picked Senna, yeah. I was like, finally, finally, he's not Fine. first Something looking in Ezreal. Ezreal. Yeah. yeah. This is not to say Ezreal is a bad champion because actually, 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 I don't know. I think Ezreal right now is isn't isn't the best, especially for pro play. I think I think he's a tier below. I think you have like, you know, you have a few top tier. Pickle ban AD carries at the moment, right? The Caitlyn, you have the Ash, and you have the Senna. Yeah, yeah. And then you have, um, you know, I think Ezreal is a tier below, and I think Callista is like to the side. Yeah, I mean, you can't always pick her, but if you pick her in the right team comp, she is a top tier AD carry in my opinion. Yeah, I mean, yeah, and you always have you always have other picks for ADC, um, mm -hmm. like. Like like you said, you've got your top tiers like your Caitlyn, your Senna, your Ash, but there's always other picks like Callista, um, these these other champions who are yeah. who are kind of more carry oriented. Yeah, and we saw you know we saw Zven come from a bad four Ezreal games, pick up the Senna, slightly more supportive in the first game. But then they early lock in the Callista twice for him. This is a, a classic Zven pick, and he looks dominant off, off of it. Pairing it with Vulcan's Blitzcrank and Rakan, giving Vulcan the opportunity to finally engage again and control the pace of the game instead of being on the Yumi just looks so much better for this whole team. Yeah, and you have to you have to wonder, after the their first series of the week, or I can imagine they were like, listen guys okay we're gonna need to absolutely fucking dominate this series otherwise everyone's gonna think we're a shit team and they came out and did it so props to them honestly yeah they looked definitely. like a, a much stronger cloud nine in this in this best of five 
The only caveat I have to give is that they did have Niski on tier for all three games. And Niski, we know, can be absolutely amazing on this tier. He really is one of the best players in North America at using it to impact the sidelines and get his team ahead, which we saw him do in every single game for this team. And I can't imagine that in any of the remaining playoff games that he's going to be allowed to play that. Yeah. One thing which I think he did so well on Twist of Fate here, and I think this is a really a really good tip, actually, that I've heard him talk about before, and I've heard lots of the uh, high-level Twist of Fate players talk about before, is when you're level 6 on that TF in mid lane, make sure you have 1, an XP advantage, so your laner doesn't have level 6. 2, mm. make sure you have mana to use that ult, so you can get a gank off effectively and use your full combo, yeah. which which he did extremely well. Level 6 in all three of yeah. these games, he was Everyone getting map pressure. Exactly, and he had that gold card ready. Ults, bang, that's a kill, easily. Easily in every single situation. Twisted Fate, when he hits 6, get that side lane pressure. Yeah. And he, and he looked great and he did that every time. And I have to... We've criticised a lot of drafts today, but you have to say, was it worth banning it in the second or the third game? Oh. I'd say probably. If you can't answer it with something like the Galio... Yeah. Um, or, or maybe even a Silas to steal the ult and have side lane pressure, be able to follow the side lane pressure, what... How do you expect to answer the pick? Yeah, I mean, I agree, I agree. I think maybe looking towards banning that was probably the best shout. But we, but then again, if this team, as we saw, were going for more carry-oriented carry champs, we know Niski likes a Zoe as well. We know he likes those other carry champs. So I guess they were probably thinking if we ban this, he's just going to play something that's even a bigger of a lane bully and an early game bully that can snowball harder. Maybe. I don't know. But like, I don't know. I don't know if Zoe's, uh, sorry, Niski's Zoe has been absolutely amazing so far. Like he got it twice against FlyQuest and didn't look great. Whereas on the TF, he always looks great. So it's just a question of, are you more happy to kind of pressure him in the lane um, and stop his Zoe from building up? Or are you willing to answer his TF in the side um, lanes? And they, they couldn't do that in the series, which is really disappointing for me. Yeah, and yeah, I agree. I feel, I feel like definitely a ban towards TF would have been the best shout here because they just literally couldn't shut it down. Mm -hmm. Yeah. And that's uh, the point where we say goodbye to evil geniuses. Yep. Making it to the second round of the playoffs is impressive for this team. He was definitely struggling towards the end of the season. So uh, congratulations to them. And it'll be very interesting to see what they can do next year yeah. when Huni becomes a resident and they'll be able to play with uh, Huni, Jizuke and Bang. Um, will definitely be very interesting to see the EG squad next yeah year. and i mean i feel like you still have to give them the to give them props they've done pretty well in the playoffs here going toe-to-toe -to -toe with FlyQuest in in their first best of five it was a pretty close i think it was three two and then beating 100 yeah. thieves 3-0 so so you can't yeah. you can't say they're a bad team i think they no, they definitely I, I, 
proved themselves to be a, a pretty good team here in the LCS. Especially for the new for one of the new orgs um, after franchising, it's definitely great to see them with a good performance. But I think it will hurt a little bit going from fifth in the spring split to uh, sorry third in the spring split to fifth in the summer split. Yeah, without a doubt. The final and possibly the most interesting. Um, uh, game that we had yep. was the rematch of Golden Guardians TSM. Now, in the first game, Golden Guardians looked absolutely brilliant against TSM, able to 3 0 them handedly, shutting down Bjergsen and make double lip, making double lip look like a noob. Yes. This series, however, was a very different tale. Talk to me about how this one went. This this series for me was very interesting. I think games games one and two looked pretty close, but Golden Guardians managed to edge it out in the end. I, I I would even argue that TSM had the had the lead in game two, but managed to throw it in the end, which was super sad stuff. And at that point, I was kind of like, oh no, it's going to be another three zero for Golden Guardians here. But TSM managed to reverse sweep it and come up with a three two win, which was an amazing amazing feeling for me um yeah. and like i said uh games one and two golden guardians winning uh but not in a super convincing manner uh whereas tsm looked really really strong in games three and four and double lift picking ash in all games here was was an interesting choice i thought but he played better this week a lot better and i think one thing he did was not being cocky left anymore um, not being super cocky with his picks, picking the Ash because it's kind of more supportive ADC at the moment in the meta, yeah. um, and able to get those big ults off, shut down those things for his team, and not going for these super aggressive plays, not trying to be flashy double lift like we've seen in the past, playing better around his team, and I thought that was really really good. And then in the last yeah. game, Bjergsen on Zillion looked incredible, oh, and so good on it. He absolutely smurfed that game and was able to pretty much 1v9 it in my yeah. opinion he played yeah. he played out of his mind on that zillion definitely the zillion the, the only time they didn't ban it the whole get of the whole best of five series yeah. Bjergsen locking it in with confidence and you know you know what he's going to do on it and as soon as you gave it to him you can imagine how confident he starts to feel in the final game of the series after winning two two in a row to start the reverse sweep. He locks in that zillion and he goes, This is my game, boys, don't worry. I got I got this. Yeah. I got this one. <laughs> and I heard the Willif speaking after the game saying when they when they saw that Zillion was open, they knew they'd they'd won the series. Yeah. He really is. <laughs> He's so incredible on this, and like he's never missing an ultimate timing. He's always getting people back up. He's able to uh, zone control so well with the bombs, yeah. making sure he layers them in just the right way so that he always has one or two left over, but has some on the floor to control where the enemies can move around those objectives. Just looks so, so, so good. Yeah, and... Broken Blade looks a lot better in this series as well, I think. Yeah. Uh, managing to shut down Hauntzer in the early game, in, in the games that mm -hmm. they won, looking so much better. And Hauntzer arguably looking like a really 
not very strong top laner in, in this series. I thought it allowed TSM to punish them a lot harder than I guess that Golden Guardians would have liked. But bro props to Broken Blade regardless because he looked like a really really strong yeah. top laner here. Yeah, I think even in the, in the first two games which Golden Garden Guardians won, Ponza was still struggling a little bit on the Shen and the Mordekaiser, and then they continued to pick the Mordekaiser for two more games after he struggled, had to, has a pretty poor performance in the second game, which they were still able to win, yeah. mainly to FBI on the Caitlyn. Yeah. Uh, and, and then, you know, and then we see this switch from Broken Blade, where I think, I imagine he realises, huh, Haunter is not doing very well this yeah. series. And he goes, trust me, Pick the jacks for me into the Mordecai. So this is a pick that we see so often from the LPL mm. as a counter to the Mordecai, which is really popular over there. And the jacks was dominating the Mordecai in the lane and was really able to both split push and team fight quite well, which is surprising from more of a side lane pick. Yeah, and like like you said, the haunts are not looking super convincing on his Mordekaiser. That Jax counter pick was a really, really nice pick for TSMI4 and able mm -hmm. to shut it down because we know late game Mordekaiser, if he becomes a threat, he is pretty much unstoppable. Yeah, definitely. And it was, you know, it's great to see Broken Blade having some more carry performances. And then of games four and five, being able to pick the Renekton Nidalee combination. Oh my god. Speaker. That combo. They clearly have been practicing this one because it looked so much better than what we've seen in the past. We saw it um, a little bit against Dignitas, but this looks like they knew exactly what they were doing to absolutely take over the top side of the map, snowball this early game Renekton, and then allow the more early game champion that we see in Renekton to just dominate the whole game from start to finish. Yeah, and that combo of Renektonly is unbelievably strong. And Speaker, granted, played super well in the Nidalee in Game 4. Um, and this is something we could tell he's been playing in scrims, he's been playing in solo queue. And yeah. he, he proved that it can work in pro play in these playoffs. So it, yeah. it, I, I think Nidalee is, is a top jungler for the, at the moment. And I, and I absolutely love the confidence that we're now starting to see from Speaker the further we get into these playoffs. Even just in his Nidalee play, right? He's not going in jungle item and then a Athens, or, or second or third item Athens. Mm -hmm. No. He goes jungle item, Zonyas, uh, and then into the haunting guys. Like, it looks so, so good every time on this Nidalee going for a higher damage build really kind of pushing and he only managed to get the haunting guys in the set in the fourth game because they ended it in 24 minutes he couldn't even get to the leandries <laughs> to kind of really start to come online it just looks so much more confident compared to the player that we saw at the start of the summer split having some really rough games yeah and i think the the early 
the early Zonyas for uh, for a Nidley is super strong because especially in early game your cooldowns are still quite long on your spear etc and if you can hit that spear jump into the fight do your damage burst someone pretty much one shot someone from the damage from Zonyas then pop that Zonyas whilst the, the rest of the team jumps on you and then you have your team to back you up and you come out of that Zonyas your cooldowns are off you can heal etc and just be a huge threat in team fights, not just a, a, a ganky potential. I think Nidalee here, we saw we, it got proved that she is a huge threat in team fights as well. Yeah, and that's and that's brilliant to see because this is another champion that you start to worry about from uh, Speaker, who was someone that we were worried about coming into best of five, best of five series. Does he have enough champions? But no, he seems to be coming through really really well and that's a great that's a great thing for tsm looking towards the future yeah I agree. the the last point that i wanted to ask you about for this series is we saw treats come in halfway through the summer split play their first two playoff games including their 3-0 loss to golden guardians tsm announced earlier this week they were planning to split time in scrims between biofrost and uh, treats and they decided to play Biofrost this series. So just give me your closing thoughts on Biofrost's performance back in the main lineup for TSM. Yeah, so I thought he played okay. I didn't. I wouldn't say he was by any means a star player for this team. Um, and I know they're gonna they're gonna be running with him. Uh, in their upcoming games as well because I heard Dolev talking about how they're going to be practicing all week and they've only been practicing with Biofrost for a, about a week again since since mm. um since they got a uh, bench treat what well, bench treats effectively um yeah but yeah I think he played he played well uh there was some weird moments I thought from him which is probably just down to communication like in game five where um, it was a pretty close game up until the last kind of five ten minutes of the game where uh, Nidalee went for the dragon steal at, at the same time as Bard altered the dragon I thought and that is straight trolling yeah, yeah. it is and, and I thought it's probably just some communication issues something like that where they haven't had enough time to practice with each other but hopefully those kind of things will be ironed out for next time they play and yeah I do have a lot of confidence in him so it will yeah. be it will be it will be good to see what he can do with this team and I think him and double lift actually make a really good combo yeah it, it's nice to see you know he's picking slightly more lane dominant supports which is something that we know double lift really likes and he's also matching up better against someone like Huhi, who's been performing really really well on these enchanter supports which is I think where treats struggled a lot uh, better at engaged supports, but definitely struggling on these enchanters, which we've seen that Biofrost at now is definitely more comfortable on. Yeah, I agree. And it's definitely a series that can at least give TSM fans some kind of hope for their world's performance. Uh, I mean, I wouldn't say it's super convincing, but we definitely saw them come come alive in these in the last few games here. So it's it's some pretty pretty confidence filling stuff, I suppose. Yeah, and so next week we only have two best of fives compared to the four that we've been used to. Those being the winners final against for Team Liquid FlyQuest. Both of those teams have secured their spot in Worlds now. Very quickly, Ollie, give me your prediction for that series. 
this game is gonna it's gonna be I'd say it's probably gonna go to all five and for me I would have to say just because of their performance this week I'm gonna give it to FlyQuest going three two. That's very interesting. I definitely agree on the FlyQuest, actually. I think that at least in the current form they are better, but I think I'm gonna give it three one to them. I think that really um, it's gonna be a surprisingly dominant game. I think that there are some clear mismatches um, for both teams. I think the Wild Turtle is looking really, really, really strong. And I think that he'll be able to um, kind of bully around tactical, especially in the laning phase. Mm. Um, and then I think that the jungle mismatch is the place that I'm most worried about with how good Centaurin has been looking. And I think uh, in almost all of these games, Centaurian is going to secure a lot of the early drakes for FlyQuest, and it will be a case of them just being able to close out the games, looking to get Soul um, every time. Yeah, and uh, I'd say that that's a pretty good prediction. With the with the jungle mismatch, it's going to be it's going to be hard for Broxer to get come alive into these games, but we'll see we'll see what he can do. Definitely, the other best of five that we're going to see is the losers. Round three, the winner of this game will go to Worlds. So we've locked in two of our three Worlds contenders from North America. Either TSM or Cloud9 will go to Worlds. Not both of them for the first time in quite a long time Mm. now. Who are you picking to both win this game and lock in a final uh, world spot from the LCS? I... Again, think this is gonna just because of these two teams' histories and because they know each other so well. I am gonna say this is gonna go to five games again, but I think Cloud Nine will take it three-two, and Ooh. just because TSM, I'm still not super convinced about this lineup. I'm still not super convinced about Biofrost. I'm still not super convinced about Double Lift, and I think Cloud Nine, if they can get their carry picks, will be able to win this series but I think it will be very very close I will take the opposite side of that not just because I'm being difficult because (laughs) I do think the TSM have a better chance of winning this we've seen TSM struggle don't get me wrong but we've also seen them succeed on a wider variety of team comps and so I feel like they'll be able to win in the pick and ban phase more often then Cloud9, who have a very telegraphed way that they want to um, draft and play the game. And I think that TSM are slowly getting better, getting more, getting Biocross reintegrated to the team. And when you compare that trajectory to Cloud9, it seems like they seem to struggle every time they honor, they are on a downwards trajectory. And it will be a real shame if Cloud9 don't make it two worlds with how dominant they've been in North America this year but I don't think that now you can say they are a dominant team anymore Um, that is so far in the past I don't think it weighs into this game and that's why I predict TSM yeah um, what what do you think it'll go to all five games or (sighs) yes not because I think that Cloud9 will necessarily be really strong, 
I just feel like TSM is still struggling with a lot of things and they will throw at least one or two, like one game. And then I think Club Nine can win one game. Mm. Interesting. Uh, and I think all of TSM wins will be close. I just think that they are slightly more consistent than this Cloud9 team. Barring a one in five throw, essentially. Mm. Well, that's interesting. And we'll come back and see who predicted it right next week. If either of us... I mean, we both said it would go to five games, but we we chose the opposite opposite yeah. teams that we're supporting. But, I mean, I would, ra- I would rather see TSM win this best of five, but I think Cloud9 will probably take it. Well, we shall see. And that is all for the LCS. Um, join us next week for reviewing our predictions. But we have to move on to our second region that we're talking about on this week's episode, which is the LAC, who started their week of playoffs with three games. We had the two upper bracket semifinals after our losers bracket round one. And that's the one we're going to talk about first. We're going to work through these in chronological order. Our first one, losers bracket, round one, SK Gaming versus Schalke. What a best of five. What a best of five indeed. What yeah. a... a best of five that we only got to see three games because Schalke smashed it so hard. Because they are one of, the, if not the best team in EU. The, the, I, they are so strong at the moment. They mm. really, really are. They looked absolutely fantastic. Really changing up kind of the way that they were playing throughout this series. They looked so strong. Yeah, I agree, and they just seem to keep getting better and better. Um, and yeah. Abadagi again playing out of his mind on the carry picks. Uh, two Oriana picks here was was super good. He was able to zone his lane really, really well, play super effectively in the early game, as well as getting those late game shockwaves to just annihilate SK here, not having a chance at all, and just yeah. absolutely outclassing them in the mid lane. I mean, you say late game shock, shockwaves, but one of those games when he was on Oriana only went to 25 oh, yeah. minutes because their top lane Renekton was snowballing it so hard along Gilius's, alongside Gilius's Hecarim. It just looked fantastic uh, throughout the early and mid game for this team. Yeah, I agree. And... Gilius again looking super good like he said on on the headcrim twice which is a really 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 strong pick for him at the moment uh, mm. and I, I wouldn't say that that his, his I mean his pocket picks are you've seen him play the Sejuani a lot which he's really really strong on the headcrims but he also brought out the, the, the Kha'Zix here and I thought he looked really really strong on, on a more carry pick he looked brilliant on the Kha'Zix and the only reason that he had to play the Kha'Zix it's because SK banned away his Hecarim after he played yeah. it twice. They were like, nope, we can't deal with this anymore. And he says, eh, don't worry, I'll just play Kha'Zix, which we've seen him on before have great performances. And we saw him have a great performance again here. Yeah, and I mean, I think it was SK were probably right in banning away the Hecarim because it mm. was, it's a really, really strong pick for them. But yeah, it just looks like they weren't prepared for him to pull out something like the Kha'Zix. Yeah. And it was really disappointing, I think, from the SK side. Um, obviously, it's you can make the argument that SK are a 
slightly one-dimensional team, relying on crown shot oh, a lot yeah. of the time to do their heavy lifting for this team. And although they gave him some picks where he definitely could have taken over the game, it just seemed like the rest of the team wasn't there to support him a lot of the time. Yeah, and especially in, in game one where um, SK picked the four range champs with crown shot playing Jinx with the, the one mm. one melee Volibear. And we saw that with the first team fight here, I think this game was over really quickly if, I, if I'm remembering. Um, mm. But... Yeah. 25 minutes. Yeah, this was the game where the Oriana just smurfed on them, where we saw Abadagi playing extremely aggressive on the Oriana, and yeah, SK again were, were really dependent on Volibear being able to get into those fights, and he did, to be fair, there was, there was a big team fight around Skull in topside quite early on, which mm. basically snowballed the game for Schalke, where the uh, crown shot to me just looked like he couldn't get into the fight, and... and yeah, like they rely, they're relying on crown shot so much. But if if he can't get into the fight, if he has no engage, then he can't really do anything. And that's where I think crown shot is getting really let down by his team here. Yeah, and that was you know that's shown in his scoreline. He he went zero one and zero. Yeah, he had almost no impact in this game at all, barring two hundred and thirty farm in twenty five minutes, which still is not mind blowing. It's not like you were funneling all of your farm into this guy, giving him a strong front line for the Jinx to play around, which probably could work, especially in a team like this, where you argue that the AD carry is so much better than the other players. It just, it feels bad that he might have been let down by some of his teammates. Yeah, and especially for game one, SK tried to do a really weird, I don't know if you watched the early game, but SK tried to do an extremely weird duo jungle swap kind of thing like a season 5 yeah. meta but they don't realise Odo Amne is the god of swaps and he's been playing since season 2 and was able to read that swap from a mile away yeah and yeah. He, he looked it's something you know that he was possibly prepared for and, and just knew how to react and that gave uh, Shaka such a massive advantage yeah without a doubt and SK not being able to get crown shot fed in any of these games just is leads them down a road for loss here. And we saw yeah. uh, after their first game, Schalke pretty much picked the exact same draft for the second game, uh, except for swapping top laner out for Renekton, which again worked really, really well. Mm, yeah, and we kept some really key parts of their draft very stable, which I actually really like from this team. They're picking the Senna Nautilus bot lane every single game in this series. And it's clear that it works really well. And we know that uh, Neon is not a superstar no. for this team. He's not a bad player by any means. But he's not a world beater. He's not a superstar. But putting him on more supportive picks like the Ash we've seen before and now the Senna, he looks super, super strong in a more supportive role enabling the carry players on the top side of the map that we know can keep playing really, really well and allowing them to be aggressive with some backup. And then you also have Dreams looking much better now, giving him more engage options on someone like a Nautilus. It means that he's able to control when the team goes in, when the team doesn't, much better. And it means that he definitely is allowed to shot call a little bit more in the mid and late game for this team. Yeah, I agree. And I, and I think 
Schalke just looked really prepared for this best of five. Um, SK super reliant on, in their draft, super reliant on crown shot, but it just seemed like Schalke was super ready for this. And in, in game one, uh, like I said, the trick picked Lilia jungle and tried to gank early mm. on Lilia, which is just a bad idea. And I guess like Schalke were just ready for this. SK just picking that Lilia was a, is a, is a bad pick for me, I think, because it's clear to see the trick hasn't, played it much doesn't really yeah. really know he's like oh yeah people in the lck are winning with lilia it's got 100 percent win rate in the lck let me pick it here and i'll be able to dominate yeah but but no it's 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 right now got a really bad win rate for anywhere else other than the lck yeah and it definitely can be a strong pick like we've seen other people like centauri use really well in the lcs mm. i just think you need a lot of experience on it because it does have a very different playstyle to any of the other meta junglers at the moment. Without a doubt, yeah. And uh, no, and with that loss, we do say goodbye to SK yep. from the playoffs. Yeah, a shall can move forward to the second losers match, and with a single more win, Schalke will make it to Worlds, which is absolutely incredible. Yeah, uh, and so we will talk about their matchup once we have covered the rest of this week's games. Um, the first of which, Saturday night's game was G two against Mad, and I didn't catch a lot of this game. So I'll ask you, Ollie, what happened in this game, and how did we get a three to one win for G two? Well, simply, Caps is a monster. Simply put, Caps is an absolute monster. Uh, in game one, G2 just just destroyed them. We're able to run it down in pretty much 25 minutes. I think the, the game was a super short game. Caps on his pocket picks again, um, able to just destroy them. Um, and in game one, just looking like a super convincing team here. Um, LeBlanc, he played as LeBlanc in game one where he had 25 Magi stacks by about 20 minutes. Um, and again, getting 25 Magi stacks in, in all of the games, except for the game where he played Irelia, in which his Irelia looked really, really, really clean as well. Um, like I said, Caps being a monster here and just absolutely destroying them. And Mad recognised this. Tried to ban him out in drafts in every single game. Couldn't really do that because Caps has such a wide variety of champions. And like I said, mid lane is one of the hardest lanes to ban for. I think there's so many champions available. Um, and they were super focused on shutting Caps down in early game. But Caps just outplayed them and was able to, to not die early. Able to get his lead mid lane. Was able to have support from his jungler to get that lead and having map pressure etc to just completely outclass mad here and this is not to discredit the rest of the team i think the rest of the team played really really well but caps is definitely the star in this series okay and so i have a few questions for you was this g2 performing incredibly well or was this an underperformance from mad are we worried about mad going forward i I'm a little bit worried about Mad because they seemed extremely scared uh, in this best of five. They looked like they were definitely on the back foot even to 
even from to begin with because even in game one without even playing any games against g2 they were banning away caps's pocket picks they looked scared already in drafts they looked like they were a team who were afraid of this g2 lineup and this is is got to be something said about mad because they just simply weren't prepared for this they weren't prepared for his other picks like his leblanc his irelia and yeah it's definitely credit to g2 because they played really really well but mad certainly looked scared and like they weren't prepared for this this best of five at all yeah and that's very interesting and i want to also ask you about the nico top which we saw twice yeah. from wonder on g2 winning both of the games so yep. how strong do you think this pick is we've seen some buffs come through it recently is this something we'll see more of or is this just a g2 thing I think Wonder especially has it down to a T with a Nico top. He played it so well, um, was able to win those 1v1s. Like Getting solo kills in the top lane was was super impressive from him. Um, and being able to have that late game team fight pressure, hitting all of his skill shots, etc. And yeah, we've seen Nico buffed a little bit recently. So I think other teams will definitely be looking at this and seeing, okay, hold on, Nico's a, a really strong champion at the moment, I think. Uh, and I think she's more orientated for mid lane, but we saw like them picking up top and having two carries on the team was was worked really really well. And I think it might just be a G2 thing, but we'll see what what other teams can do to to adapt to the new the new meta. I wouldn't say it's a new meta because Nico got buffed. In I think it was 10.16. We're we're now on 10.17, but the uh, yeah. pro play is still not live on 10.17 yet. But yeah, um, I think and it's so a super strong pick. Mad aren't out of the LEC yet. They do have one more life in the losers bracket, and we'll talk about their upcoming game shortly. The other. Uh, best of five that happened was the Fnatic Rogue series and you messaged me after this game and you said you were very pleased with Fnatic's oh performance and that is just simply shown in the scoreline. Fnatic 3-0 here. Fnatic the playoff buff is real. I don't know <laughs> these guys ate for breakfast. It must have been Weetabix because they were on fire this series. It was it was incredible from from all of them all of them especially yeah. I, I have to give it i know that the fans gave self-made mvp for this series and he looked so good i i have to i have to give it to yeah. him on his evelyn amazing on his evelyn in game one just absolutely destroying han sama and the in the other laners um it's... sorry no you go ahead i said it's i say it's so clear that Fnatic will always perform, this Fnatic lineup will always perform well in best of fives because they come in, they have a week off, they're clearly prepared, they've done their homework, they've made some new picks, and we see Selfmade come out with two Evelyn's games and a Carthus game. And we're not seeing Evelyn almost anywhere else in the world at the moment, in the major regions. And he looked phenomenal on it. And we've seen how strong Carthus can be in somewhere like the LCK. And he played that to perfection and the team knew how to play around these kind of picks it just looked brilliant he was constantly taking over the game 
Yeah, and you say actually no, no, no one's been playing Evelyn recently, but I saw something recently, although I don't watch a, a lot of the LPL. I know that's been a, actually a quite a, um, a, a a prominent pick in the LPL recently, actually. I actually didn't know that. I don't... <laughs> too many games to watch the uh, yeah. LPL at the moment. Yeah, but I, I saw someone recently saying um, that it's been a, it's been a very, very... Um, a very big pick for the LPL, very big pick or ban ban champion over there. So well, like I think that self-made proved why it is just being able to sneak up and absolutely assassinate the carries on the side of road. He didn't allow Larson to have an impact because anytime Larson stepped forward, once Fnatic were winning the game, yeah, self-made was behind him every time on this Evelyn. Yeah, and, and, and you watch and he went. The, immediately dead there was a there was a moment when i kind of just i just i just made me absolutely smile where when evelyn hit i think it was the first time they hit level six uh and he was in bot lane and in in the fog of war Han somewhere was under his tower evelyn gets the charm presses q once obviously spams q e and r and he's dead immediately yeah it was it was that one, and then the the Evelyn versus the Han Summer in the final game. Yeah, in the mid lane. In the mid lane, where his Han Summer's on Ezreal, and he has a Hex Drinker, his E and Flash up. He E's, he 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 uses, you know, the E. He flashes away. Uh, self made flashes after him, and self made gets the kill almost immediately. And you as Han Summer go. This is unplayable. Well, what more can I do? It's unplayable at that point. It's, it's, it's weird that they didn't ban it every consequential game yeah. after game one. But then again, like like I was saying, yeah, Selfmade got the got the MVP for this series. Um, but for me personally, I would have to give it to Nemesis. He looked so much better than we've seen him in the rest of the split in this playoffs. Mm. He looked like 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 a, like a number one or number two mid laner getting his lucian for the first two games he looked like yeah. incredible in this lucian was was able to just shut them down there was there was a, a play in bot lane where he was dove on 1v2 and just absolutely outplayed and dodged every single skill shot got the, got his ult off and was able to pretty much put every single shot of the culling into into i can't remember who it was but and then the backed up by the rest of his team was able to shut them down and just show just proving himself as as what i would say one of one of the best mechanical players in in mid lane for their lec and yeah, I would I would say he is a super strong mid laner. You can't discredit him at all anymore. I know people, especially even Fnatic fans, love to give him shit, but he proved himself in this best of five, without 100%. a doubt. And he was able to bring out the cog more in the last game, which he once again looked great on. And the breadth and depth of the champions that he's looking strong on now is really really encouraging. Yeah. Um, as it is with the whole of Fnatic, and that's really, really great to see um, one of these perennially great European teams come through and perform well. Yeah, I agree, and Rogue here with the, with the first seed team for the LEC, uh, and it's super disappointing to see them not perform at all in this best of five. Um, Definitely. But yeah, no discredit to Fnatic though because they 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 for me played really really well and Hillasang and Reckless were able to show up as well, able to create 
great drafts for their bot lane with uh, Hillisang picking his pretty much his pocket picks of uh, Nautilus. He's he's a, one of the best not like one of the best engaging supports in the LEC mm. in my opinion. And yeah. Whippo as well playing really well in top lane. Yeah. Just everyone playing and, super well. And of course we saw a few a few moments where it definitely looked like Whippo and Hillisang were inting, but I think that is <laughs> part of the fanatic charm. Yes, the Whippo and Hilly special. It's like they just run it down mid in the last game. Yeah, it's very special. Hmm, that wasn't right. I guess they won't <laughs> do that again, and they don't, and they go on to like destroy the game in thirty yeah. minutes or something. Like, I think this is just something that this team does, and I don't doubt now that they will always show up in these. Uh, playoff best of fives yeah and it has to be super super confidence filling for this fanatic team where they didn't have the best split of their of their careers nemesis was mm. probably one of the worst mid laners in the lec on paper uh yeah. with having super bad stats etc but coming back to improve themselves it's got to be it's got to be really confidence a big confidence boost for this team and for their coach, etc. And one one play that I really really liked was um, when Bwipoi was on Scion in top lane and was able to one v one. I can't remember who he was up against, but he got a solo kill like early on and was able to just uh, against GP. Yeah, he hit six before him, was able to just run it down at him and one v one him, and it was like just super impressive stuff from the from the whole team. Definitely. And this isn't the last of Rogue that we'll see. No. Having got the first place spot in the summer regular season, they have both secured their place at World Worlds already from the Europe, from the LEC. Um, and they have a second life in the losers bracket. The wins for Wake Fanatic and G2 do mean that they both will be going to Worlds. So um, we'll see both of those teams at Worlds also. So we have already three of the four uh, teams going to Worlds from the LEC. We only have one spot left. No, no, and... no. We, we've got we've got all four. It's it's Schalke. Don't worry. <laughs> we've got all four. Don't worry. Well, there is a there is a chance, however slim it might be. Don't get me wrong. That <laughs> um, Schalke may not make it to Worlds. The match that will decide that is the losers bracket is the losers round two yes falling down to that game is mad lions they will have to play against Schalke and one of these teams will go to worlds and the other one won't and it's going to be sad to say goodbye to either of these teams if i'm honest mad lions definitely the darlings of the summer season with how well they performed and how great they were looking on unique picks yeah but also Schalke, the miracle run Winning 3-0 in their first series, it would be absolutely phenomenal to watch this story come to a really compelling close and see them make it to the World Championships from being a one and nineteen. Yeah, and I think yeah, especially that's that's going to be super interesting to see. Hopefully they can. I'm praying for them. One thing I think is a, is yeah. a bit sad though is the fact that Rogue will make it to Worlds over. Uh, um, Schalke or Mad, Mad Lions yeah. here because 
either of those teams arguably look so much better in best of fives than Rogue have looked pretty much in their, yeah. their entire their entire history of best of fives and especially in this best of five against Fnatic. Yes, it definitely um I imagine it will change in the future. I think we'll definitely see some adjustment to the playoff format. I definitely like the playoff format having double elimination. Yeah. But um with the first place seed coming into the playoffs, guaranteeing their spot at Worlds, definitely feels not great, especially when you have a team like Rogue who seem to be struggling so much in best of fives. And if they go on to lose to the winner of Mad Schalke, that really, really is going to feel That's bad. That's going to be super painful for Mad or Schalke. Yeah. Yeah. Who do you think, if you make a prediction, let's not think too much about the storylines. Yeah. Uh, and let's look at the teams themselves. Who do you think will come out on top in that loser's um, match against for Mad versus Schalke? For me, I have to give it to Schalke because they look like a incredible team. One of the best in the EU at the moment. I would say definitely number one or number two. And for me right now, I would I would probably say G2 are probably the best team in the... Actually, I, I don't know. I'd probably say Schalke are the best, then G2, then Fnatic. But yeah, I'd have to definitely give this Ooh. this uh, best of five to, to Schalke. I think they're going to pretty much dominate it. I would say 3-0 or a 3-1 win for them. Wow, that is a strong prediction and some and some bold claims about uh, where you're putting Schalke in the power rankings. I'm going to wait until the end of the season I just before I such claim team. that they are the best team in Europe because I think Fnatic, both Fnatic and G2 looked incredible again this week. Yeah. Um, but I do think that it's going to be a sad end to the season for Mad Lions. I think Schalke are going to take this. I do think it's going to be close. I think it's going to be a 3-1 or a 3-2. I think the SK are a far weaker team than Mad Lions. And they have... SK have very limited win conditions. Whereas Schalke... Sorry, Mad have a number of ways that they can win the game. I just think that the consistency from Schalke, not having to rely on unique picks, unique drafts, just coming out every time with a good, consistent level, will be able to be out mad in a best of five. Yeah, and yeah, I agree. I think they'll be able to to edge you without a doubt. And uh, I mean, we'll have to wait. We have to wait and see for the upper bracket game to see who we can call the best team in EU and have our rankings. But yeah, what about this upper bracket game then? Fnatic versus G2. Who do you have in this best of five? This is Clash of the Titans. Oh my this God. is Bat of the Playoff Buffs. It really <laughs> is. Both of these teams looking great, and it is very hard to pick. I think that um, if Fnatic can come into the season with more, into this series with more unique picks, show an Evelyn, a Carthus, maybe some other hidden jungle or top lane picks that they feel really confident on then they can definitely win some games. Mm. I just think the firepower from G2, when you've got a player like Caps performing really, really really well, you've got Wanda having the confidence to pick up some more unique champions. And then you have Perks as an AD carry who's quietly putting up massive damage numbers. I just think 
man for man without something extra from Fnatic's draft and Fnatic's play, G2 will win this again. Interesting. See, I'm going to have to disagree there. And this is, I mean, I, I know I'm a little biased because obviously I'm a big Fnatic fanboy, but I think that just from their performance recently and the playoff buffs for Fnatic, it's a real thing. It really is. In these best of fives, they show up every single time. They've always done it consistently. And I think, especially for a player like Reckless and Hillisang, that bot lane, I think, is actually stronger than G2's bot lane for me. Uh, the the one real thing that we're going to have to keep an eye on is that mid lane, Nemesis versus Caps. Obviously, Caps is the better mid laner on paper, but it will be mm. interesting to see this this matchup and yeah i'm going to give it to fanatic g uh fanatic free two here uh i really really think that they can they can pull it out of the bag okay and i'll go g2 three one against fanatic we have uh one more best of five to talk about and of course we can't make predictions because we don't know who will be playing in that one but rogue will play at least one more best of five against the winner of Mad Lions Schalke. Um, of course, we don't know who will make it to that game, but uh, at least personally, I have to say, I don't expect Rogue to beat either of the teams that uh, they could play against. I don't think they will beat Mad or Schalke. Yeah, neither do I. I think they have no real... They, I mean, especially in this best of five, they, they, shoot, they showed no passion they showed no real compelling plays etc they showed no aggressiveness it, it, they were always on the back foot from the beginning of this series and yeah i think playing against Schalke or mad two really aggressive teams i think that they will they will not be able to win this best of five against either of those teams yeah and of course we will see they could take some of this time to really turn it around but we will see that this weekend in the final game on Sunday. Yeah, indeed. And it'll be a good one, whatever happens. Definitely. And our last part of the show today is going to be talking about the LCK. But rather than completely talk about the matches that happened this week, we're going to do more of a deep dive into one of the teams that we really want to talk about. That being um, T1 as they've had some very interesting games this week. But before we start just talking about T1, we did see a Freak of Freaks secure their playoff spot over with a win over KT, 2-1. to one. And that's really good because this is a team who I think uh, may not make it very far in playoffs, but will definitely benefit from more games against a team like T1, who they will be playing in the first round. Yeah, and... I agree. I think a free, a free Freaks definitely deserve it more than KT, in my opinion. So it's mm. super, it's super, super good to see them securing their playoff spot. But yeah, T one had some interesting games this week, in my opinion. Um, playing against Dan One Gaming in, in their first, I think it was the, the their first game against Dan One. It was their first. Yeah. Uh, where they actually lost two zero, and for me. This was a super interesting game because 
for the first game closer played and, and then I thought after this game they might swap it out and bring in Faker to see if he can secure the second games against the arguably number one team in the LCK Dam one gaming because yeah. I just believe Faker probably would have been a, a better pick here but closer yeah played both games and they ended up actually losing 2-0 against Dam one gaming so w- mm. what do you think about this? Well, I don't know how much of this is actually down to the players. I think that um, we're seeing a tale of two T1s. Um, that's a tongue twister. <laughs> um, a lot of the time, we see T1 be really, really strong when they have good dominant drafts. But sometimes we just see drafts like these in this game. That I think I just don't like. Just doesn't seem to work for me. Um, you had Silas for both games for closer, and I like it in the first game. I like a Silas into a TF. You're able to answer the side lane pressure, mm. perform really well, and have a slightly bigger team fight impact. But going again to pick Silas into a Cassadin seems like a really, really poor matchup to opt into because you never want to steal a Cassidy ult. No. It's the most useless ult, one of the most useless ults. Still, like, yeah, you go forward once, but you can go forward again and again and again, and it just feels like they came in with a bad plan um, draft and play-wise for this game, and that really, really made the players look much worse than they actually are. Yeah, I agree. And I think the the casting pick from Dan One was especially good here because I think they recognised that Closer wanted to play this Silas again and mm. were like, okay, we'll pick someone who just completely fucking counters it and can destroy him, especially in lane, and not oh, not give him a opportunity to steal the casting ult. Like you said, that, that is a pretty much of a waste um of an of an alt steal like there's there's some other champs as well like leblanc who's a pretty much a waste of a silas alt but yeah it's it's uh, with the late game the late game pressure from a casting if he can just stack his rower and just play his game like late game casting will be able to destroy mm. yeah a hundred percent and it's like uh, from the side of t1 like you give dumb one their favorite thing in the world which is the tf along with the Camille, which we know is such a powerful combination. Yeah. And you just give it up and you don't get a lot back and you pick Maud, um, Silas, and you just think something about that doesn't feel doesn't feel great to me. It just feels like you have almost lost in draft. I don't know what they could do up against that team because um, the, T1, the T1 team in the first game was not, a really good 5v5 comp with great engage that can capitalize um, on the weak team fighting of the dumb one side. They were just a worst, a worse side laning team than dumb one. And that, and that showed because dumb one were able to run over that game in less than 30 minutes. Yeah, I agree. And um, they looked just like the better team all over here. And I mean, we already knew they were the better team, but they proved it here. Um, and, like, just T1 just looked like, yeah, like you said, almost lost in draft because they just didn't really seem to have any kind of synergy, especially for game two. Their draft just looked super odd. And Yeah, I, I hate the draft in game two. Yeah. They picked 
Jace, Volibear, Silas, Senna, and Leona. And it just feels like you have two people who want to go in really hard in the Volibear and the Leona. You have two people that want to poke the whole time in Senna and Jace. And then you've got the Silas who just doesn't really do anything in this top. Yeah, and I just feel like half of the team had one idea, half the team had another idea, and they just said, "Yeah, just pick what you want." It just, it just, I don't understand how you arrive at this being your 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 good good team comp. Yeah, I agree. I think um, although Silas, I think, is a super strong mid laner at the moment, actually, with the the new Korean meta of Max and Q first, uh, is I think actually really really strong for Silas. But with a team comp like that, there's just nothing that he can get done. Yeah, I do agree. And we saw Ghost really really step up on the Ziggs, which is a pick that we haven't seen from him before, mm. um, in the AD carry position. And he looked really, really good being able to look after himself in all of these team fights, not get dove on, be far enough away from the the main team fight while hurt, hurtling in this artillery damage. And I think he, it was a great pick as well in this team comp because you allowed your Renekton, your Set, and your Cassidin to dive in, play a very messy team fight yeah. while Ziggs was able to simply, simply layer. AOE damage on top to beat down the side of T1. Yeah, and I think Ziggs is especially a good pick into that into that comp, uh, going well with the Cassidin, like you said, having having those messy team fights, and Ziggs being able to just stand at the back and hit his skill shots, get a big four uh, four or five man ults in, because in yeah. those team fights everyone's going to be so close together with your Jaces, your Silas's, the Cassidins. Um, yeah. I mean, they picked three and a half melee champions, the half being Jace, who's melee yeah. half of the time. You know they're going to be clumped up, and Ghost showed that he could hit those massive ults over and over again, really punishing the close-range team from T1. Yeah, exactly, and it was a, it was a super a super good pick here, and I think Dan One just proved themselves to be the stronger team, even from drafts. A hundred percent. Now the other game that T1 played was against DRX, and this was even an, a more interesting game. Yeah. We had T1 winning game one, looking really strong. Closer, absolutely massive on his Akali once again, and then a questionable move was made. Yeah, I agree. I think it was super odd, especially after the performance of Closer in Game 1, for them to swap for Faker in Game 2. I was kind of just sitting there like, really? After that performance of Closer? Like, he looked yeah. really good in that game. It's especially after you leave Closer in for both games versus Dumb 1, which they lost. Yeah. I would expect this swap to come in in the Dumb 1 series. If they were wanted to make it, if they thought that Faker was going to be good for this team. I imagine you bring in after a loss where Closer didn't look amazing. I don't understand the thought process taking Closer out after having an amazing game, the whole team looking great and putting in Faker. And at least unsurprisingly for me, the team just looked worse. It really did. Yeah. Don't get me wrong. I think DRX had a significantly better comp than them in the second game. Um, but the, just the shot calling and the team fighting just looked off from T1. And it makes me ask, why do you put in Faker 
and how much time has he had practicing with the team? Yeah, and I, I guess one one kind of point of view of the decision making could have been after the after the Dan one T one game where they lost they lost their first game. They were like, okay, I guess one point of view could be that they value closer higher than Faker, right? So if they know they're going to win a series, they're like. So, for example, against the RXA, when they won game one and they had kind of that insurance game for themselves, mm. they put Faker on to see how he could perform at the top level still, see if he is still performing at the top level. I guess that's one kind of point of view. But again, it's a, it's an odd choice, uh, especially. But but they yeah. managed they managed to win it, which is which is good. They did. I just don't necessarily like the risk from uh, T1 and I know it didn't affect their standing so that kind of leans into more of what you're talking about Yeah. but DRX is a team that you're probably going to end up playing at some point so uh, for me I would rather just close that out in a 2-0 build up some confidence keep closer in for both games and have to show one less draft That that's my thing because they'll be playing them in two weeks time if they manage to make it through the playoffs. Yeah, and one thing for me here, again, with this T1 side, I think this is going to be another another confidence knock for Faker, playing that one game mm. and losing it, like his first game in the LCK in, in quite some time. Immediately being pulled back out. Exactly. It's going to be another another confidence knock for him, uh, which, which he has already received a few of. If you've seen any of the, the interviews, he's not really very happy with being benched here. Yeah, I mean, you can imagine, but uh, I totally get why the team has done it. Oh, yeah, me too. The whole team looks better with closer in. We've got Kana performing absolutely amazingly, oh, yeah. being put on more carry style picks. And when Faker's not in, he really is able to perform on them so, so, so well. He looks like one of, if not the best top laners in Korea at the moment with closer in the lineup. And they just look like a better team every time he's in. He picked up both the MVPs for the games he played in this series. Like, he just looks incredible. Yeah. And I get and I get fans wanting to see Faker, the legacy that that man has. But if you want T1 to be the best team that they can at the moment, I think you have to put closer in every single match that you can. Yeah, I agree. And I think... It will be really interesting to see uh, like how they use Faker at Worlds, etc., and and after Worlds, if they, if he doesn't get a lot of game time, or if he does and T1 don't perform very well at Worlds, it will be interesting to see what he does personally, what his next steps are in his career, if he decides he wants to be a coach, a manager, or something like that. Because I'm kind of with this swap for closer, I think he himself and T1 are kind of alluding to maybe coming to the end of his career. I'm not 100% sure on that, but his career as a, a pro player in the starting lineup, at least. I think he will always have a place within that organisation. Yeah, without I a just have to agree with you and say it, it may not be as a starting player for much longer, which is a shame, but it's probably best for the team. Yeah, and it's. I, th- I think Closer is really happy with being able to play on the starting lineup, and I'm, I'm mm. sure Faker is v- being very understanding as well. We know he's a very level-headed guy in 
in yeah. I mean, we've seen plenty of interviews with Faker where he seems to have his head screwed on very tightly. Yeah. And so uh, before we finish the episode, we'd just like to talk about the playoff games now. Uh, LCK has a slightly different format. So they have a wild card match with the fourth and fifth place teams, which is a best of three. Those two teams being Afrika Freaks fifth and T1 fourth. That game will be happening tomorrow as we speak, August the 26th. And then the rest of the playoff games are going to come thick, thick and fast. We have Genji waiting in the quarterfinals. Dragon X waiting in the semi-finals and Dan One Gaming waiting in the finals. And there's only 48 hours between each one of these series. So there is about one week between the first game, the wildcard one, and the finals game mm. um, that Dan One are waiting in, which is a very interesting way to see these teams really perform. Yeah. And the, f- the first game we're seeing, tom- as you said, tomorrow, Afrika Freaks versus T1. Who do you have for this game? There's no way that uh, you can't predict T1. It's very simple. If they have closer in, they look amazing. I think they outclass Afrika Freaks in every single role. Um, even Afrika Freaks' strongest point, which I believe is King in the top lane, We've seen Kana absolutely step up when given some more carry picks, and I think this will be a very clean 2-0 confidence builder for T1. Yeah, I agree. I think they're they're gonna clean sweep the series um, because if if they play closer starting lineup, we know he's a great mid laner, uh, and Kana, like you said, one of the best top laners in Korea at the moment. So that and don't and don't forget. In week nine, these two teams play the best of three and T1, T1, yeah. that closer in the lineup. So I think, um, unfortunately for a freak of freaks, they made it into playoffs, but they're going to have that journey cut to a premature uh, end, I think, by T1. Yeah, and uh, it's it's uh, going to be super um, super interesting to see in the second game as well. I think I think we're we're both predicting that T1 will take that. What about for the second game then? If we if we're saying T1 will win, Genji versus T1, who do you have for that game? Now that's a significantly closer game, I think. Yeah. Um, these two teams haven't played against each other for quite a while now. I'm trying to find the last time they played. And I think it was week five. So they haven't played each other for five weeks. And if I remember correctly, that was still when Faker was in the lineup. So this current T1, yeah, Faker was playing at that yeah. point. And it was a 2-0 for Genji. This T1 that we have currently is a significantly different team to the one that we've seen in the past, the last time these two teams matched up. But even though I think this T1 is better than... The previous time they played, I still think that uh, Genji looked like a team who's been stronger and more consistent throughout the whole summer season. And they have a more defined play style. And I think that will benefit them in a best of five where they've been shown to bring out some more unique picks. Yeah, I agree. And it will be interesting to see who takes this. Like like you said, it's going to be a lot closer than, um, than the first game. So I don't think we can really predict who's going to win this. Well, I, I can't personally. 
I would go three to to Genji would be my would be my best bet. But I'm not I'm not confident in that at all because I think both of these teams could be the third best team in Korea and go to Worlds. Yeah, I agree. It, it's it's going to be a very 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 close one, without a doubt. A hundred percent. And we won't make any more speculative pre- uh, predictions after that because we'll yeah. have to see how that uh, plays out. But we will have. Um, the wild card, the quarterfinals, and the semi-final games results to talk about on next week's episode with a preview for the finals um, with whoever Damwon Gaming will be facing. Yeah. Unless you've got anything else to add, I think that is the show for today. Uh, don't think so, other than Fnatic are going to win everything <laughs> and they're going to win Worlds and Reckless is going to retire. That's a very strong statement. And on that strong statement, that is the episode. Thank you, everyone, for listening so much. You can check us out on YouTube and on Spotify. Just search for Weighing in LOL. Um, This has been the Weighing in League of Legends talk show, episode four. Thank you all for listening so much. Thank you. And make sure if you want to check us out on Spotify, the link will be in the description as well. And both mine and Josh's Twitter is also in the description. And yeah. just below us, our ats are right here as well. So make sure to check us out. I'm sure we'll be... Well, I know I'm going to be tweeting my predictions after these LCK uh, games this week. Yeah. So, yeah. 100%. Thank you for watching. Thank you for listening, guys. We will speak to you next week. <laughs>